This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every Thursday morning in the 9 o'clock hour. Fellas, my guys, my boys from MGO Blog, starting off first with the man that started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? Good. They took Rutgers seriously. They <laughs> did some stuff. Good. <laughs> they did do some stuff. I think they did some very, very impactful stuff in this game. We'll get to that coming up. Seth Fisher, how are you? They kept on a zone read. J.J. McCarthy was keeping on zone reads versus Rikers. This is a fantastic development for the program. I'm 100% on board. All right. And then one Mr. Craig Ross. Craig, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, it feels like maybe not. I should start with the craziest non-political rant of the last decade, which is uh, Ryan Day's rant against Lou Holtz, who A, I didn't know was alive, B, is... (laughs) Thank you. I did the same thing. Oh, is that right? And B, is a guy who is so crazy and speaks in complete gibberish that ranting against him makes no sense. And uh, who looks just like Granny Clampett these days. And D is, uh, you know, what he said was actually probably right, aside from anything else. And I couldn't figure out why Day, who went off on the field and then in the press conference later, uh, was doing this. And then it struck me. He's a real good buddy of Marcus Freeman, and he was trying to cover the fact of the complete ineptitude of the of the Notre Dame coaching staff <laughs> down the end of that game. So, so give cry, credit to Ryan Day. He was doing a solid for Marcus Freeman, who coached the most inept game I've seen in a long time down down the stretch, including having ten guys on the field. I think in both the last two plays of the game, yeah. and then trying to rationalize it with some gibberish that was right out of the Lou Holtz playbook. Yeah, it was terrible. So, it was that he compounded the error by looking, by, by sounding. I'm not, he's not, I'm not calling him a stupid man. I'm no, not I don't that. think he is stupid. But he sounded stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about, oh, well, we, we, we can't afford a penalty. You can't afford to have 10 guys on the field. Give me another play with all the 11 guys. <laughs> but, but, but we got we to gotta move into that. Let's, yeah. let's save that for dessert. The main course, of course, is this Michigan uh, Rutgers game. Brian, your your big takeaways. What were your big takeaways from the Vic thirty one to seven victory over Rutgers? Well, so for the second straight week, we had virtually no outside zone. That was a big part of what they were trying to do early in the season, and I think they've moved away from it. We also saw them lean into some stuff that I don't think they've put on tape so far this season. So they were running power by pulling two tight ends, which is great because you know you don't see the you don't see the guard pull. And so the linebackers don't flow that fast. And then also Michigan's been running this arc play, which board just calls bluff and there's a double version of it but it didn't look like anything michigan actually runs and now it does now it looks like this power play so when they pull that out it's going to be devastating they have a couple of those like power plays where they're trying to get to the a gap because everyone plays them to spill there was a lot of stuff that looked like jim harbaugh trying to put linebackers in the wrong gaps and i think that's the path moving forward so the experiment with 
outside zone probably isn't going to fly. I mean, we've just seen too many issues with it. It's too hard to install in an off season. They gave up on it, right? <laughs> I think it's. What? I think it's still gonna go I know. I. I, I mean, I think. I think it's going to come out every once in a while, but I don't think it's going to be something where you're seeing it for forty percent of Michigan snaps that are run plays. So that was what it was in game two, and I. I. I think it's going to be something that they do bring back as a as a counterpunch, but not as much as uh, we we saw in the first two games. Um, so I think. You know, you still don't have clarity on who that other tackle is. You saw Hitton and Henderson both play in this game, and it'd be nice if there was an easy answer, but I don't think there is. Because, um, you know, Henderson came in and he was okay, but he wasn't clearly better than Hinton. Um <clears throat> And, you know, from a team perspective, I think that's pretty much the most concerning thing on the team is, you know, if you have three tackles, you don't have two. And after we what we saw what Notre Dame was able to do to Ohio State, you you look at Michigan's line and you're like, yeah, the interior can probably replicate that, but can the tackles? And that's a something that we'll have to see as these guys develop over the course of the season. Seth Fisher. Yeah, defensively, um, we missed Mason Graham. And you know, he what make that made this defense elite when they were uh, just rolling over everybody and it was Rutgers does not have a great of an offense, but what made them elite was that Graham takes two guys, Jenkins takes two guys. If you skimp on that, your play is dead. Don't care what play it is. So when you can go down, and Grant is good, and Grant had some good plays in there, but Grant was not ready to go the whole way. And when you can use him, when Grant can be your guy who comes in for Graham and gives him a little bit of a break, right? That that's the perfect way to use Grant because you're moving around. They have your doing twists with, uh, with, with, uh, with Jenkins and whatnot, and you can maximize how effective Grant is. When Grant's got to be in there just taking on doubles every play, he gets tired. And then after he ran with St. Rastill all the way down for 71 yards, like, that was it. Like, there, there was no more you could get out of him. Rashawn Benny is just uh, he's just not strong enough yet. I see he's going to get there. He's got great feet, but he is not on the same level as those guys, and, you know, neither is Cam Good. So, Michigan's strength is their defensive tackles defensively. Um, and once they get uh, Graham back, I think they'll be amazing again. But I'm a little bit nervous that they can't go full game at the elite level that they were. Seth, I have a question in this regard. Is it the combination that didn't seem to go so well, from my view at least, was the Benny and Good combo? It seems like any other constellation was okay. Uh, and I wonder if you just can't use Benny and Good together. You can use Good and Jenkins or uh, no, that's you know, a really good observation. Um, Benny uh, travels well. Benny's got great feet. He's super athletic. Mm-hmm. Good is just—he's gonna get his nose in there. He is a you know a ten. He's just a big ball of mass, and he's very hard to move. He doesn't move very fast himself. And so what they were doing with it, they. Rutgers had this play that they just stuck to way after Michigan already had it beat because Barrett was just blowing it up. But they were trying to split the line between those two tackles and then have a tight end come in like run, like an ISO play, right? They just follow the tight end for like, like he's a fullback. Um, and the idea was to make that gap as wide as possible. When they did it with Benny and Good, Benny moves because that's what Benny does. He's a, he's a movement guy. Good stays in one spot and then gets kind of locked out and then there's some space to run. It was only one play where that exact thing happened, so I wouldn't say that that was the problem, but that's mm-hmm. that's why I think there's just such different types of players, and neither one of them is. I mean, Benny, Benny's got some ability. He can get into the backfield. He just wasn't really trying to do so. So I mm-hmm. – and, and it's defensively, they seemed out of sorts for the first quarter and some change. Uh, and it, 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 to me, rather than it – Rather than it being a, a physical issue, you had guys whose roles maybe were elevated. Uh, there was one play where, where Cam Good, you, you mentioned him, where you saw Gavin Wims at, hmm. you know, he 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 drops back and he runs up, I think, for like seven, eight yards. And Cam, Cam Good got completely out of his gap rushing the passer. And so he left a, a wide open lane. They were doing that, that kind of thing. Linebackers being misaligned. Uh, defensive ends, you know, not keeping contained. 
Yeah, that was that was just uh, we got we got bailed out by that holding call. By the way, just like Stewart was just beat, and he did it again, and he did it again after that. So I don't know what it was early in this game where they just you know they were off their keys. They were off their keys, and it wasn't just one guy. And give credit to the coaches for getting everything back in order to the point where they got it. They they started looking like themselves again. I think you can attribute that in a way to Mason Graham being out, whether it's, you know, guys who weren't playing as much, uh, getting in there and uh, maybe having some extra snaps and kind of showing their, their inexperience or, or other guys just feeling like they had to do too much in his absence. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of the two, but they didn't look like themselves uh, until a little bit later in the game. And then, of course, the first touchdown when she got some – yeah, you got a little rust. Uh, you know, Mike talked about slipping, and he he he, he did slow a little too outside and get a guy some leverage, and then Rod Moore, yeah. you know, his first game back. What's so first sad about back. that play is they actually dropped uh, McGregor into that McGregor. right into that lane, so Stamer mm-hmm. still can direct him at all in there. Uh, or McGregor drops back a little bit when his his hand only misses it by three inches. So, like, Michigan had the right exact play call to stop that exact slant, and he's getting sacked because Harrell had a great pass rush. And I do want to mention there were a couple guys I thought who really played well. Jalen Harrell's really playing well right now. He's getting to the co- – That's getting a to lot the- to say. <laughs> right? That's a lot. Right? That's I've a been, lot. I was his harshest critic, and he is – I and, and competition level, right? Uh, these aren't the best tackles, in the, in the, but we're not going to face that many great tackles at all. Even Ohio State doesn't have good tackles this year. So Harrow's playing very well, um, which kind of makes Stewart a little bit of a, you know, a, a luxury because he was, he was here to, to pass rush in the first place. Uh, and you know, Harrow's always been great on the edge. And then Michael Barrett was great again. Uh, I thought that like the attacks that they had, Rutgers looked at Michigan and said, what do we want to attack? Let's put a tight end on Mike Barrett. Let's try to like just ISO him because he's small and we're going to push him out of the way. And he just like wrenches a guy down <laughs> and then goes and makes a tackle. And it's like, you know, we, we, we're, we're done talking about this guy as a former Viper. He is a linebacker. You know, I think Harold's got to be on the field for Michigan at this point because he does understand controlling the edges and when he's not on the field, we seem susceptible to being edged. Uh, and, uh, you know, at this point, it seems to me Harold's your guy, regardless of, you know, how great a pass rusher he is. I don't think he's bad as a pass rusher. He, he's, not a specta- he's not spectacular in that role, but uh, he is solid. And, and, you know, you need him out there, I think, at this point. I want to seize on something Brian talked about, though. Uh, and I think it's the was the biggest revelation in this game, and they put a read on the duo. I mean, they they did different things. I didn't know what it was when they were bringing in the tight ends. Around. I was like, is that a counter? What what is that? And I had Borges look at. It. He said it's all split zone blocking, and then he said, and they arc a guy. So this is a he called it split zone arc. So this one actually has an arc. There's no um, there, there's no um, situation where they're they're actually bluffing that guy. So this the 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 path. Is really that of an arc and not trying to not trying to bluff that edge, and so that was that was an interesting wrinkle uh, that we saw. But putting a read on a duo for everything that we've seen them do as an answer to the duo busting defense mm-hmm. that we duo busting defenses that we've seen, this to me is going to be the most effective tool. Yeah, they still they are outside zone still in there. They got some, they're going to run some jet sweeps, right? They got different plays to get them on the perimeter. But this directly addresses what teams are doing for them, doing to them, slanting the front, bringing down a safety or a nickel uh, as your your edge contained. Now JJ's reading that guy. And you can see that guy kind of look. I look like what is that? It was almost like what is this? why they would they never they never read me when I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> right. What is this? You put that on tape, and you have a recipe for teams not being able to key on your not being able to, you know, basically nullify your duo like we've seen teams do. And Michigan ran 15 duos in this game. I'm granted Rutgers didn't, you know, they didn't play the same kind of defense throughout the game that we saw, you know, the first couple of weeks in TCU and Illinois, but they did do some of it, and we saw Duo come back in a big way, and I think it's going to be hard for teams that try to do what those four teams I mentioned did 
it's going to be harder for them to have some success now that Michigan showed you, all right, we're going to read that guy. Now what are you going to do? Yeah, and it's it's still <clears throat> unclear if it's live on every play. It felt like sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. And then the other thing that they did is they brought out the old Rodriguez belly play, which is basically just shove everyone down the line and then the uh, last defender has to pick between the running back and the quarterback. And so we saw a third and one conversion where Quorum picked up nine yards because that guy had to check on McCarthy. Um, and I particularly love that as, as a counter to, to the dive play in short yardage. Cause yeah, everybody is piling into the middle of that line to prevent, you know, a short conversion. And once you're doing that, if one of the tight ends just fires you inside, there's no way that you're going to be able to, to defend both of those things. So as a, as a counterpunch to that wedge play they've been using, I love that. That's, that's an excellent development. And, all of this is pretty subtle, but then you also have Michigan with a Tecmo Bowl reverse flea <laughs> flicker, which, uh, I mean, I'm really intrigued about the way that this two-back set is going to develop because you have all kinds of options on it. And we've seen, a, we saw UNLV come with a, a two-back set pretty much constantly. And uh, Notre Dame ran it against Ohio State. They had a, a pretty interesting play where they faked to one back and it looked like a broken play and then I went to the other back. So there's a lot of possibilities that Michigan is probably keeping under wraps right now. And I'm interested interested to see the drips and drabs of that come out over time. I would say that might include Donovan Edwards throwing the ball because he can throw the ball. Probably. And, I, would, yeah. I would like it if he would cut inside a kickout block. That would be well, my number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll, feel, yeah. he'll feel in his way. Yeah, that was a that yeah. was a sign that still not quite there in terms of his feel, but he, he'll, he'll get there. You said that counter that he ran outside on, didn't cut it up inside. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, like he's a, he's a junior in college now, and that's like high school stuff, right? Like you, you have a fullback come on, you know, there's going to be a force player. The guy gets his outside arm free. And you didn't let that block develop to see what side it was going to be on. And you just run into the dude. That's pretty concerning to me. And there was another play on which Michigan was running a duo and a safety came down from the outside and Edwards just ran directly into the safety for one yard. And it's four games into the season. And I know he didn't take contact in the fall. I know he's getting not, not getting a lot of reps, but the guy that we saw at the end of last year, we have not seen yet this year. Yeah, if if it's any any um, comfort, his numbers are virtually the same through four games. And so, um, if, if if the pass is indicative of what we're going to see here moving forward, then he's he's about to warm up. Brian, I got a question for you. What uh, I mean. <laughs> Doesn't this offense really need to have JJ reading and running some for it to be effective? I mean, I mean to to maximize its output, yes. Yeah. To be effective, I mean, I think it can be effective without running JJ against most opponents. Um, but I, I have repeatedly made the case that I feel like if you want to run this stuff at maximum efficiency against Ohio state, you need to run it over the course of the year. Right. Now you don't need to put 20 carries on JJ, but something between five and eight, I think is, is, is a good number to aim for, especially if JJ is getting out of bounds on most of them. Cause he, he took maybe one hit on his runs, I think. And that was because he couldn't get out of bounds and he took a glancing, but it wasn't like he got blown up either. So I think, I think it's something that you need to practice to be good at. And so I feel like it's something that Michigan should continue to do, even if, you know, the uh, opposition is not likely to win the game. It sounds like uh, that is, that's the plan to not there in big 10 play to show it more. Uh, and, and again, you put what they just put on film, I think is going to be profound uh, moving forward. Uh, I mean, there, there are other, there are other JJ, uh, JJ specific plays that you can run off a duo. I mean, it is a duo, but with JJ keeping the ball, uh, and we saw one of them. And there are other wrinkles that allow you to do the same thing that can throw teams. You just want to throw them off of it. I mean, there was a very specific way teams were attacking that 
and basically taking it out of the game. Well, now Michigan's putting it back on the board, even against those teams. And, and now, all right, so you continue to add to that package, show it uh, once or twice a game. That's enough uh, of just that play. There are other plays where you can have him running the football. And then uh, let's see where another point you just brought up, Brian. Let's see where they go with this two-back package because, to me, where you felt Donovan the most in this past game was – or in this past game was in the past game. And that was not that hard to foresee given the success he had catching the football against Rutgers specifically last year. So the number of times where he was, he was on the field and he was a, like he was an option in a, on a pass play. uh, There were a number of them. Uh, JJ didn't always go to him obviously, but it just felt like we were seeing more instances of them using him in a receiver capacity in this contest. And I don't know if that's indicative of, of a direction or if that was indicative of the opponent that they were playing, but it definitely showed that there's more to that package moving forward. Yeah. I think it's some of both, right? Cause Rutgers played more man to man than anybody Michigan has played so far this year. Cause they actually have some horses in the secondary. Um, so when you get a zone team, you know, putting Donovan Edwards out wide, it doesn't really get you a ton, right? It's just another receiver going up against his own. But when it's man-to-man, like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a problem. So I think you're going to see Michigan really emphasize Edwards against teams that do want to run man. And it's going to be hard for them to continue doing that. So um, and I, the, that dig shot to, to uh, Wilson where he's wide open because – Rutgers is trying to run some zone and they they're out of their gaps and they, they just, it was not good coverage. And I think that's something that we're going to see going forward. Cause Donovan Edwards is going to force you to play zone coverage. Cause if he's out there and you're trying to play man, you're dead. Cause you're going to put a linebacker on that guy. No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I felt like from that standpoint, we saw, uh, we saw some tangible things that, are going to help them moving forward, even if moving forward, they don't see anyone that's really going to threaten them for the next, what, four games? And I, I brought this to you guys last week, but I feel like I got to bring it back up. Is Rutgers the best team Michigan is going to see? You know, it was the first nine games. I, I mean, I mean Nebraska's like got the best team Penn State. Nebraska's got uh, Nebraska's defense is working. Now they got lit up because what they, they play aggressively. They're like a full time. Ohio State versus Michigan last year kind of defense where they're they're three three five they show you they're soft and then they you know run everybody at the line of scrimmage and there's gonna Colorado found ways Dion's a much better coach just a in game coach I think people are realizing or at least his uh, coordinators are because they well got him with every Colorado- so it's a similar situation to to Rutgers where they enter this game and it's like look at our run defense and then you look at the teams they've played, and it's like this is more like an ain't played nobody like times two situation that uh-huh. just ain't played nobody. And Nebraska is the same way. Like I have, I think that they're much better than last year because they were they couldn't hold up against anyone last year. But Colorado doesn't have an offensive line. They just don't. We, mm-hmm. we saw that against Oregon. You can't put together an, an OL in the portal, and that's going to be their downfall. They're averaging like under two yards of carry this year, and that pretty much goes for the rest of Nebraska's schedule too. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup because they do run that three, three, five. It is going to be a little bit similar to um, the TCU game. They are going to be bringing linebackers from everywhere. So it will be a test for Michigan, but I would be surprised if they were able to hold up uh, like they've held up against their schedule so far. I do think that they're massively improved. Um, And then on the other side of the ball, I think Nebraska provides an interesting Challenge because they're going to run their quarterback twenty times because mm-hmm. he's a walk on and <laughs> right he's not they're not worried about like, like, making sure he gets to the playoffs this year no they're just <laughs> they just want to try to win a game so Michigan's gap integrity will be tested and they'll have to win some one on one battles on the defensive line I think they can do that but in terms of a team that will probably lose a game but still give Michigan some information about who they are I think Nebraska's uh, good for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with that. I mean, I watched the entire uh, Louisiana Tech game, 
And the one thing Nebraska is, aside from running a defense that we had trouble with last year, is uh, they're fast. That's a really fast defense. Uh, and, and so it isn't like Michigan is going to walk in there and, and roll over that defense, I don't think. And well, uh, well what do you to think? To me, the so? most interesting thing will be approach. They, they can run on. They can. They can run on Nebraska. The question okay. is, how will they run? They were. Yeah, I felt like versus TCU. You know that that ISO hitting like it did was a blessing and a curse because it it, it the made first play. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was a blessing because they they gashed them right away. But it was a curse because it it, it encouraged and enticed them to keep banging them in the middle when everything that you saw on film from TCU was get to the edges, get to the edges, get to the edges. And when Michigan finally got to the edge uh, against Rutgers, and it, it wasn't always with a, a a play that was designed necessarily to hit the edge. They, they got to the edge on some counters uh, in that contest, but it definitely involved JJ uh, in, in that mix. And I, I think if, again, if, if the past is an indicator of what they're going to do here in the present, then I would expect, you know, an edge attack to to be a good part of it. now and maybe Nebraska isn't as adept as TCU was at, at stymieing uh you know the inside run game because that's what was so in, intoxicating from an offensive perspective about going against the 335. They invite you to run the football up the middle, but the teams who run it right close down those inside gaps. And that's what TCU did for the most part, sans one play. I don't know if Nebraska is that sound, but if they are I think we've seen some things from Michigan that suggest, all right, if that's not working, we can get outside. The difference is Nebraska's got speed at the linebacker spot. TCU did not. So Nebraska's done fairly well if they need to chase you inside out. Um, like Nick Henrich was a top 20, 250 kind of guy. John Bullock's a small – they have smaller guys, right? And they're inviting you like, okay, try – if you get, actually get Zinter on one of these linebackers, it's over. They're all 220 pounds. Um, I think this is a Colson-Loveling game. They've got nobody on this team who can – they don't have a safety who's big enough. They're cornerbacks. If you want to match a cornerback on him, you're just going to – both of them are like 175 pounds. Like, I like Quentin Newsom. He's you know been a good player in the Big Ten for a while now. But he's a smaller guy. I know he's taller, but he's just like, you know, he's a stick. And you get Loveland bodying those guys or, you know, putting a move on a safety or if they try to match um, – you know, make a gaby around them or something. They that's where the matchup problem is. And oh well you what you're telling yeah. me, well, if their linebackers are runts, then Michigan will <laughs> they will bust it up. Well inside. they're runs who are gonna be running at you. It's 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 funny yeah. like how Don Brown this defense is when you like actually break down how they play. They are they they, they just the the line has got a couple big dudes. I, I like their center, but um you know their their ideas fly to the ball. And you know, if you want to fly to the ball, you're going to bounce off some of these guys. And I think Michigan's going to – they're going to play some rock, paper, scissors. Michigan's going to need to, like, actually use some things. And they did. They brought out a tunnel screen. Michigan brought out a tunnel screen for the first time, I think, since 2015. I was looking back through old UFRs and trying to find the last time we ran that play. And I think it was 2015. Um, and that's a play that Colorado should have scored, like, a 70-yarder on them because there was just nobody. The way they play, as soon as they – see those guys coming inside, they're going to activate. And they, they cascade. So the, the linebacker rushes the, the line, and then he gets replaced by the safety, and then there's nobody there. And, you know, the, a tunnel screen, you get a couple guys in space and you get that block, it's over. So I think Michigan's going to hit some big plays, and I think Colson Loveland is just going to be a mismatch for them. I tend to agree. I think we're going to have a hard time bubble-balling this team. Um, I mean, I think the run almost is going to have to be derivative of play action. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I, at least from what the, the Louisiana tech day, now I'm not tech game. I'm not sure about the Nebraska offense. I think Brian's right that they're going to run the quarterback forever. The Heinrich Harburg or whatever his name is. And uh, I mean, the, the offense is, a little sluggish to me, but I think they, they do have a, have a really good defensive team and you're just not going to go out and, and maul them. I, I don't think. Yeah. We'll see. We just time for a break though. Let's mm-hmm. squeeze one in and we will definitely react to Ryan day's contention that his team is tougher 
eerily similar to last year when he said his team was tougher. And we saw the result toward the end of the year. We will get to that much more on the other side here on the Michigan Insider. MGO Blog Roundtable, Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, the ticket. We are clear. And Sam, I have good news for you from Justin Rogers at the Detroit News. I have been informed by a team source that Decker and Montgomery will suit up tonight. And the NFL Network hey. report from this is incorrect. See? See? <laughs> I'm happy because I, I show it up. Thank I, you. I laid my bet on the Lions minus one and a half. So now I'm really happy because yeah. I, <laughs> Ira was peeing in my Cheerios this morning because his wife is a Packer fan. I was I just reading with a report from Tom Pelissero this morning. It was like two hours ago now. I, I, I was my like, wife is a Packer. I was like, no, he's not. He's not going to play, Sam. Tom Pelissero said he's not playing. That's not exactly I, how I said it. I don't, I don't get <laughs> hating the Packers, voice, man. Ira. I heard you. I don't get hate like the the Packers. It's it's cool that a city owns a team. I love that yeah. about the Packers. I I wish there was more of that in in sports. Nah, I hate the Packers. I can't. I hate that. the Packers. They they are phlegm reincarnate. That's what they are. <laughs> and I I am happy that their demise is upon us. I and we saw we saw the beginning of it last year. This is just a continue. They just they're fortunate that they played the abysmal Bears. The Bears are so Bears. terrible. They're so terrible. And I feel I feel somewhat vindicated in my opinion to Justin Fields because these people were like, Justin Fields is going he's an MVP caliber. He's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm like, what the? Did Mike Wilbon Will still believes that. He's like, what? What? <laughs> Will Bond still believes that. Huh? This man cannot read a defense. He cannot read a defense. And that's exactly what they're asking him to do. Well, that's what he said this week. He said that he feels restrained by the coaching staff, that he needs more free. You didn't see that? That he I needs did. more freedom, that he can't be restrained by all this coaching stuff. <laughs> that's who the Packers beat. They beat them, yeah. and then they beat the Saints uh, with, with Derek Carr down, and they got to go to Jameis Winston. Like, come on, man. I'm, I'm just – I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. Pack going down tonight. Let's make it happen. Oh, oh okay, so – JL said that Pelicero just tweeted there was a miscommunication. <laughs> Intended what? to tweet the opposite. You know what? That would be so great if you could just like roll it back. Like I, I, I didn't mean to, to to say that. I meant to say the opposite of that. Can Ryan right. Day do that? Be like, I didn't mean to say that we're tough. I meant to. <laughs> Had you guys heard what Lou Holtz said before the tirade? No. No. <laughs> No, because the only person, the only, you know, he was talking to like a Lou Holtz impersonator. <laughs> it's like, so he's sitting in, it's like the, the whole bit was like a joke <laughs> where like they were trying to out Lou Holtz each other. And so then he like takes the bait and tries to out Lou Holtz himself. And he's still just saying coach stuff, right? Like, you know, you oh, name this team, this team, this team, this team. He did not read Michigan's defense when he was at Ohio State. They didn't he give him reads. Ball down the field to wide to a wide open guy. What? They didn't read. He read what reads? Hey, look, they're in cover one again. <laughs> right. Like stop it. Stop it. <laughs> we can go there if you want. That's nice. Stop by. We appreciate you stopping by. If he was if he was reading the defense at Ohio State, he'd be fine in the NFL right now. But he's not. He's not. Those Buckeyes are great in the NFL, Sam. As quarterbacks, hey, CJ Stroud's doing pretty okay. One minute on the radio, there. one minute. Yeah, CJ Stroud might he might be oh. all right if you don't, you know, as long as he doesn't get a whole lot of pressure. Right, <laughs> that dude could actually read. Wait, wait yeah. he better not play in Green Bay in December either, Sam. True, true. Good point. I mean, you don't like me to bring up the Packers, but that's you know an outdoor venue up yeah, I'm not hate. I'm Packers not hate. Soft state. You can everything just I say about Ohio State is the stone cold truth. The stone cold truth. <laughs> we can. I love having Buckeyes in here. Cause let me tell you something. Wait till he calls you Scam Web. <laughs> I haven't That's heard from him. I haven't heard from him since last year. Oh, that's right, because you were right. Strangely quiet, you know. But hey, this this. I hope that I am in position to offend Ryan Day. I want the opportunity to do so. You gotta please. You give you have me. an internet like hater name, man. I want one of those. Like I want someone to like be writing my name with like a dollar sign or something. All right, back on radio in about uh, 10 seconds, guys. Stand by. That's when you've made it. See, I'm actually going to say so, a little something nice about a Buckeye here real quick. See, we got a Buckeye in the stream, and he said, I come through win or lose. And, I, you know, I appreciate it. There were actually some Buckeyes after the game said, you know what? Talk your talk. You, you were right. 
we were wrong when I said that Buckeyes aren't as good as Illinois. The defense, they can't better not play defense like Illinois play because they don't have the horses to do that. And they would call me all kind of names after that. What did they do? They went out and tried to play like Illinois and look like some bums, right? And But, you know, all Buckeyes aren't created equal, right? Some Buckeyes just can't see the, the truth of what it is. You got some Buckeyes who think, that in the past couple years, they had one bad half of football. One bad half, Brian Cook. Would you say the Ohio State Buckeyes have had one bad half of football in the last couple years? No. <laughs> I would say there was at least four. Like, what? Like you lost to Michigan twice, buddy. <laughs> Did you not remember the first one? I think he said it. He clarified like, later he was referring to the first one. They're like in his so they mind, didn't have a, they, they didn't have a bad half last year. Nope, in his mind, it was five plays. Here's what I think he actually meant. Had he probably meant that, like plays. one half a game, except for like when Michigan plays Rutgers and it's only fifty plays. But normally, a half of a game is like seventy-five plays. You can find seventy-five plays over the last three years that Ohio State's had, and, it, and like that's true. They probably had seventy-five bad plays. Well, I when I heard him go off on. Lou Holtz. I thought Lou, Her- Lou Holtz had made it personal. Uh, he had talked about the man's wife. He had talked about his kids. He had done something to elicit that kind of response. And lo and behold, all he said, for folks who haven't seen it yet, was they lost to Clemson. They lost to Alabama. They they lost to Michigan twice. Uh, there was someone else in there, Georgia. And he said each time they lost to the more physical football team. That's what Lou Holtz said. And this man went off like that after the fact. If he was that offended, you mean to tell me that Ryan Day doesn't have access to the media to kind of let them? That would have been a part of the broadcast. But he waited until after the game to come out and be all indignant about what Lou Holtz said about his team. I haven't heard him say anything about what Jim Harbaugh said about his team or about him. Because Jim you was very, talk, very You can't. There's, there's an unstated rule in football. You can't talk to you win. If he hadn't won, he would have shut up. Why is that but, an unspoken rule? I think that's called being a front runner to me. Yeah. So you can you, you wait for the outcome to yeah. say if you're not going to talk before. I'm the, not saying I do this. I'm saying there's you know, a rule. Don't, I, don't, don't I don't listen to all the, all Ryan the Day. I think Sam. I think you're missing the bigger the bigger picture here. I think that there is an epidemic in football right now of disrespect. Every coach is finding disrespect. Washington State, who everybody loves right now. Everyone's like, no one could get enough of Washington State. They're fun to watch. They're a great team. And he starts whining and screaming that they're misrespected. Michigan State put Mark D'Antonio back on the sideline. dumped out of the Power Five, Seth. Like, I think that one's valid. No, no, no. I... <laughs> That's like, disrespect. On, that was disrespectful. The, the team this year, no, no, no one's disrespecting. Like, no, Dick, no one's hating Dickert, on Washington State right no, now. Dickert is res- re- re- is responding to the situation his team finds itself in. Yeah, Ryan Day is just talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like the reason Ryan Day is talking is because he's scared out of his mind. Because he's sitting on that sideline and he's losing ten to fourteen to ten to to Notre Dame and he's just like uh, he sees that his professional life is flashing in front of his eyes because they lose that game they're going to the Outback Bowl <laughs> they lose that game they go to the Outback Bowl and Ryan Day is never heard from again because he has to flee to a former Soviet Republic and change his <laughs> name to Dayovich <laughs> and so he has this huge relief because Notre Dame decides that they don't need 11 players on defense and he gets to the reporter and he just loses his mind. Cause he's like, Oh, I'm going to, but that, but Michigan's in his head, right? Cause he's, he's watching that Notre Dame team run it down his throat in the second half, run it down his throat. And you know what he's thinking? We're not the more physical team. That's why you want a, a jet sweep on fourth and one. That's why you want Jesse Bo for the one. Oh, That's God. why when Notre Dame puts ten guys on the field and doesn't have anyone to the left of the center, and you run Chip Trianum, you get in by three inches because <laughs> you're not tough. And Brian, on the prior play, uh, on the third down play from the same spot. Notre Dame also only had two guys to the left of the formation. I think they still only had 10 guys on the field on that play. They did. And they ran and they ran a an option play or a pass play to the right. 
Well, that's okay because you got two. If you throw the ball, you get two snaps. If you run the well, ball, I, yeah, but still, it was sitting there. I mean, there there was, and they still, you know. See, so, so to your point, though, Brian, it took a comedy of errors, a comedy of errors for Notre Dame for Ohio State to pull that out. You had to drop interception. That's error, and that's on the player. Like you cannot drop an interception for the money. That's the game. Then you get him to third and nineteen, and you go prevent. Oh my god! <laughs> what are we no, doing? They, did. they didn't go prevent. They didn't go yeah, prevent. They actually puts guys back. <laughs> they they would have had seven guys at the three yard line, and that was not going to be open. But instead, okay, they you got go linebackers. You go, you got, my point is, you're bringing I mean, four. You're bringing four and five. No, that's. I mean, like if you're going to rush three, that's fine. But you got to make sure that any completion is short of the sticks because mm-hmm. that's ball game. And for them to like drop eight into coverage and then have Egbuka wide open for a conversion is like, what are we doing? What are you doing rushing three on third? And I mean, you can, rush three. Rush three. you can rush three. What you can't do is rush three and then leave your linebackers at six yards. Because those guys are useless to the play. They're not rushing the passer. They're not getting in lanes because you're going to have to arc it high enough anyway to get over them. And they're not. That's insane. They're, they're, See, my thing is you're moving. You, this quarterback has shown you. You move him off his spot. Like, like most quarterbacks, I would say. But certainly you can see in this game, you move him off his spot, he has problems. I mean. You're doing it in that drive. And I, 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 either, way, either way, it's okay. But you, what you can't do is you can't rush three and then not put up a picket line at the, at the sticks. Like I, oh. I don't understand. Like you have underneath coverage. What? what? <laughs> if they gain, I'm right. third and nineteen. Like you don't you don't care if they gain ten yards. If they gain ten yards, it is ball game. Yeah, it's and coaching, then, coaching, coaching, man. And, and then, 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 the, the, and then on, on their final offensive drive, they're grinding it down their throats, and they they have some <laughs> sort of weird RPO thing yeah. that loses. Why? You're you're you spent the entire second half crushing them on the ground. Just keep doing that. And then they get the and then they, they throw it and 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 piss away forty seconds on the clock, or they give yeah, them forty I seconds mean, back. I can kind of see that because it was a screen and it was it was good, but you're throwing a screen at JTT, and that's the only thing he's good at in football is defending <laughs> screens. That's the play he picked off against Penn State last yes, year. Yes, it is. Yes. And yeah. it's like, why, why are we throwing a screen at this guy? Come on. <laughs> and then you get, get the 10 men, you get the 10 men on back-to-back plays. And oh, my saying, God. He's saying, that I didn't want to get – we couldn't afford a penalty. Now, if that's not – you know, upsetting enough. If that wasn't egregious on its own, they had a similar issue two weeks ago against TCU. Now, TCU only scored three points, but the near touchdown they had came with 10 men on the field. And you would think that that would be something coming off of that game against T- not T- TSU, Tennessee State, a couple weeks ago. They come back and say, you know what? We had 10 men on the field and they almost scored. We're going to make sure that we get 11 guys on the field. Now he has a signal that if we have 10 men on the field, we know we got a signal to get a penalty. Like, that's, right, that's your answer? That's not a good answer. The answer is to have 11 guys on the field. <laughs> right. Right? Like, the, the answer is not like, well, when we find ourselves in that situation, we're going to take a penalty. No, the, the answer is we put 11 guys on the field. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's something to Rico Beard saying that Michigan State's going to get Marcus Freeman. Maybe ND's like, we got to have 11 guys on the field. And Michigan State's like, we don't count. We don't care. <laughs> as soon as we, we go one, two, and then many. As long as there are many guys on the field, we're good. They did get rid of their math requirement. Hey, man. I, I, how I how much happier would no Notre Dame if they fan. switch coaches? If Notre I Dame had Marcus Freeman. And and uh, and Ohio State, uh, uh, and, sorry, Ohio State gets Marcus Freeman, and Notre Dame had Ryan Day. I think they'd be both be much happier. Yeah, I, th- this is not the way I wanted to see him go. Yeah, I was rooting for Notre Dame in this game, which is sad for me to say. And Ira made the point. He said, "You know, Sam, it's actually better for Ohio State to win that game." I get it, I get it, but I don't care. <laughs> I want to see Ohio State lose that game. Yeah, it might be better, but it's not funnier. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Right, and this dude, he escaped. Like, he got gifted a victory, and then he had the nerve to bloviate and have all this yeah. bluster. Like, like they actually went out there, and they were the more physical team. Lou Holtz is right. Yeah. Notre Dame was the more physical team in that game. 
They just didn't. They, they just went out there and the coaches nullified that down and players too dropped the interception, nullified that down the stretch. I'm willing to forego the humor because, man, if, if they do lose that game, he's sending greetings from Sarkovia and, like, there is just Ryan Day's over and they have to completely rethink themselves. Now, you heard him. He thinks they are tough. He thinks this is exactly as tough as they need to be. He believes that what they do is tough enough to get their, to get, to get what they need and they're going to go through the rest of their schedule thinking that until they get to Ann Arbor. Uh, that walking just for men ad is going to get his. Yeah. Man, that dude, his his die is just Rudy Giuliani-ish. What are we, yeah, what are we doing yeah. there? <laughs> we know how old you yeah, are. Man. Give it up, bro. Like that stuff is I don't know, man. If I ever if I ever needed a pen and I didn't have one handy, I'd just smear Ryan Day's face on the paper. It does look sharpie, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So, so what do you make? What do you make now? Of not just Ohio State, right? I mean, do you? It, but but of the Big Ten, it really feels like Penn State is the is the biggest threat. Ohio State, obviously, you got to still count them as still there. And then there's no one else in the Big Ten, like literally think, no one else in the Big Ten that can beat those three teams. I don't think Penn State's there. I just don't. Like I we saw them against Iowa, and yeah, they shut that offense down. Congratulations. But their <laughs> their backs are averaging four yards a carry. That offensive line is not there. Like, even Fashana, who's supposed to be a top 10 pick, is struggling. And I think it's just another James Franklin offensive line, and they're not going to be able to put up points. Now, that defense might be something. You know, we'll see. But there's all this hype about their two backs and Drew Aller, and Aller looks pretty decent. But, you know, I'm just thinking about the defensive tackles matchup in that game against Michigan. I just don't, I don't see it personally. So you would still take Ohio State over Penn State? Yes. Yes, I would. Because Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm. and Egbuka, and that's Yeah, but they enough. have Kyle McCord. I mean, McCord, are you going to take Aller over McCord? Is that like a I definite would. thing? I mean, I is would. it? It's close enough, though, and there's no one named Marvin Harrison playing. For I'd Penn take State. Aller over McCord. He's the one keeping them alive right now because he's taking pressure and de- and delivering, and he's not thrown an interceptable ball all year, according to PFF. And that's uh, given the pressure he's under, he does not have time to find his guys. He has not thrown a single interceptable ball. I think that he's a he's a dealer. I think that he's gonna he's obviously the second best quarterback in the league. And I kind of like Penn State against them. The question is, can they man up against Marvin Harrison? Because if anyone's got the cornerbacks in the, you know, in this conference to do that, they got. I mean, they more than one guy back there. Let's let's review what we've just said about Penn State, given their schedule so far. Is that their backs are averaging four yards a carry, and Drew Aller is under siege. Yeah. So, like Ohio State's got some problems on their offensive line, but they've been able to protect McCord pretty decently so far, and they played Notre Dame. So I feel like there's a clear edge in the trenches for for Ohio State, and I, I just don't I just don't see Penn State breaking through this year. I, I don't either. I 100% agree with you on this one, Brian. I think Ohio State is going to dismantle Penn State. Uh, I'm not even sure that's going to be a close game, uh, and the season I think is going to come down to Michigan Ohio State you don't think again. It's going to even be a close game. Wow, I do not. I don't know. Ryan, what you, you had me buy Outback Bowl tickets for Ohio State this year. Do I have to return them now? <laughs> That's on you, bro. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to see what you guys see. I, I saw an Ohio State team that is not as potent as the one we saw last year. Well, no, no but it's not going to have to be because I think that yeah. Penn State's offense is just going to be stuck in the mud because I just don't believe in that offensive line one iota. Yeah, I'm with Brian on this. The uh, – by the way, did you guys see uh, uh, that I saw this rumor yesterday that Clemson and Florida State are going to the Big Ten? You didn't see was, that? I was talking about there that was, this morning. I, I guess oh. there's some there's some rumor that they could get out of the grant of rights. Is that right? right? A guy claims that news is coming that Clemson found it out. But that's all he said. So okay. until there's more than that, I think we should just leave it at some guy is saying that yeah. something might happen. All right. Really? Yeah, I mean, if Notre Dame's I mean, lawyers couldn't find it out, how how is Clemson's lawyer? They they they've they they've got to be having some excuse, and this guy ran with it, and I don't think that they actually have what he thinks he has. Yeah, 
Hey, by the way, uh, you mentioned uh, corner. I, I got a shout out. Benjamin Morrison, I thought he did a heck of a job covering oh, Marvin. We had that I guy, Sam. Saying, Man, how did they not get that guy? We had his sister on campus. Yes. Yes. Come on, man. That that dude, he's a ball player. He yeah. is an absolute ball player. He, I think, made himself some money with the defense he played all night long on, on Marvin Harrison. So another thing that was squandered by Notre Dame. But we got, I mean, Iowa, They, it's like they thought all the only problem was Spencer Petrus. Like, if we just get Kay McNamara, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna take us to the promised land. I'm trying to figure out what they were watching. You know, um, they've they've doubled Stanford their yards per attempt. Uh, they've doubled their yards per attempt since last year. Their passing game is twice as efficient they as it was last year. Now they've gone from half. 131st to 128th in the country. Did, did, did Spencer <laughs> Petrus quarterback a single game last year where they had just four first downs in the game? Probably or first down. Probably. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're. I know. I, I like to say we are. We are measuring, or it's you know piles of poop. I get it. I get it. They they're both crappy. I get it. But I don't think Spencer Peters was that crappy. And he was bad. His they seen worse. Was Ten points higher than Cade's. Well, Cade gets the ball out at least. Peters is Cade. Cade doesn't know where the receiver is, but Peters is waiting I around mean, for his receivers to get open, and that's worse. Uh, I, I think Kate is a better quarterback than Petrus, in my opinion. I'm well, not sure I was any better. Iowa fans are currently like saying this guy won the Big Ten, <laughs> and we got four first downs in the game. And like, I if I was an Iowa fan, I'd be completely done with Kirk Ferentz because he has crushed your football program so that his son can pretend to be a coach, like. To me, that's a that's like a hideous firing offense. I don't care about anything else Kirk Ferentz did. He put nepotism over your program. Speaking of non-nepotism, uh, although we've done it before, it seems like a good time to shout out Jay Harbaugh, uh, who has proven that that he's more than competent at every single thing he does. Uh, you know, he's had a variety of roles on, on the staff, and they've all been good. I uh, agree. I concur. Unlike uh, Brian Ferentz, who seems not so good. So. More fumbles than first downs. <laughs> More fumbles than first downs. We got to get out of here, folks. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station. <laughs>